Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Pudvang, and I'm joined now by my special guest, Jeff. Jeff Middleton, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, you know, uh, getting by, living the Navy lifestyle one day at a time. So, um, Jeff, you're here to talk to us about the Central Division so we can preview it for my listeners. Why don't you give them a little background of why I brought you on, who you are, where you work, what you cover yeah so uh i work at the hockey riders primarily um i initially started out with uh the predators team i'm a big predators fan born in nashville raised in nashville go to as many predators games as i possibly can um wrote for thw the preds team for a little bit and then uh switched to uh, the detroit red wings and uh, now i'm also with the minnesota wild um so kind of getting all sorts of different areas with the uh, central division. And I also write uh, at on the four check, which is the SB nation dedicated predator site. Well, that's a lot of work and no podcasts or just the occasional podcast uh, uh, guest starring. I do. Uh, I kind of bounce around. Um, I do one with uh, my buddies called the triple shift podcast. Uh, it's two guys up in Canada. Uh, we run Instagram accounts uh, mainly focused on analytics. Uh, we kind of just, go over primarily NHL stuff. Uh, and then I do one with uh, one of my coworkers at on the four check uh, called uh, the youth movement podcast. Awesome. So seeing as how you're, you're here for the central, why don't, uh, why don't we just kick it off with who we feel are going to be the bottom seller dwellers, the, uh, the easy marks, so to speak. So first, uh, I would say probably the uh, the the new the newbies in, on the block, uh, the Arizona Coyotes moving over from the Pacific Division. Um, 
And I think they, I love what they did this off season. I, I think that they uh, contribute, they, they contributed really a lot to their re- rebuild. Uh, I mean, they traded away guys for, uh, for draft picks um, and they had a good draft as well. And they, uh, they built up their prospect pool exactly how they needed to, but they're not there yet for obvious reasons. Um, I like some of the guys that they have. They traded away Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson to Vancouver. Um, Connor Garland is one of my personal favorites, so it kind of sucked to see him leave the division. Um, but they also brought in uh, Dylan Gunther, who was one of my favorite prospects uh, in the 2021 draft. Uh, and he's been killing it in preseason and uh, prospect camp. Um, and that's just one of the many additions that they made. Uh, and while they still have guys like Jacob Chikrin, uh, Clayton Keller, they're not anywhere close to being a playoff team yet. Of course, if they continue their off seasons like they had this past one, I think that they can get there fairly quickly. Yeah, they're definitely in rebuild mode, and they're still waiting to see which first round pick they get for the Canadians for the Dvorak trade. So, <clears throat> yeah, it would be a pretty safe bet to say they're they're aiming for the bottom. Yes, especially in this Shane Wright draft. Mm-hmm. And it's been even the draft after that with Connor Bedard and Matt Vamichkov and all these other guys that could be just as generational talents as Shane Wright and Brad Lambert and all these other drafts prospects in uh, 2022. Now, um, moving on from Arizona, we'll move to a team that you're familiar with in the Minnesota wild. Do you feel that with all the buyouts and the uncertainty that happened over the summer, that they're actually going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot? I think it's a hard to tell. Um, I think that their lineup is uh, on the way. I think that with this division, it's it's kind of hard to navigate which teams could go on big runs. Um, with the Wild specifically, I've been a big advocate for bringing in Marco Rossi, um, seeing him in uh, the Tom Kerber's Prospect Showcase and uh, even in preseason games against the, against the uh, another, another central division rival, the blues, uh, even though they lost, he was excellent. Um, I liked what I saw from him. Um, Matt Boldy is another guy that shined with Marco Rossi. Um, and I think they could be a really good one to uh, one, two punch in the uh, forward core. Um, I think Kevin Fiala is going to have a great season. Um, I'm familiar with him with the Preds. And obviously now that I'm with the Minnesota wild team, I've been covering him uh, and watching film and all this other stuff and he's he sounded really motivated to uh to push himself this season especially considering he's on a he signed a one-year deal I think it's more of a I'm going to prove that I deserve more money uh, especially considering last season he was very inconsistent even though he did manage to score 40 points um he I think he's going to be a big contributor to the wild this year and um, I think that they could definitely be fringe playoffs, but I doubt that they're going to be anywhere near a certain playoff team. Yeah, without another breakthrough rookie, uh, you're hoping Rossi steps up, but I mean, he he missed last year due to illness, so you can't put a lot of weight on him. Yes. Um, so moving on from them, the Chicago Blackhawks, they, uh, they were really busy this offseason. They picked up flurry for next to nothing mm-hmm. so how do you view them in this central division i think it all depends on 
both Flurry and Seth Jones. Um, Seth Jones, their other huge uh, acquisition over this offseason, signed a massive deal. He's one of the top paid defensemen now. Um, I am personally not a fan of that deal. I think it's a way overpay, but that's a very different conversation. Um, he's a uh, he's going to be their number one guy. And if he ends up playing like he has played in Columbus, especially last season, he had a very rough start to the year. Um, and he, obviously he did get better as the year went on, but uh, it was rough for about a month and a half. Um, if he is that for the Blackhawks for even a couple weeks, they could find themselves at the bottom just because I don't think their roster is there yet. You obviously have Jonathan Taves coming back. You have, uh, you have Kirby Doc, you have Patrick Kane, you have all these guys, but I don't think that their roster is playoff ready. I think the only way that they manage to make the playoffs is on the back of good goaltending and uh, lots of scoring from guys who need to take that next step. Yeah, Fleury's um, coming off his Vesna Trophy season. He's mentioned that this might be his last year. They need, they really need him to step up and provide that that Vesna type season, but to do it over 65 to 70 games. It's uh, the defensive core after Jones does not impress me very much. No, especially considering when Fleury was with Vegas, especially those first two seasons, he was like, before they got Robin Leonard, he was playing 60 games a year, or at least around that somewhere close to that. And you could tell in the playoffs when when Vegas was in the playoffs and they made, they lost, he was he looked tired. And frankly, you just can't be giving goaltenders that kind of workload and expect them to do it for the entire year. Uh, it's just unrealistic and goalies are voodoo enough as it is. So it's just uh, they have to manage to they have to find that uh, middle ground. Now, the next team, speaking of tired, is the Dallas Stars. Last year, they were coming off of that Stanley Cup hangover. They didn't have much of an offseason. And then everything started to pile on. They got all kinds of illnesses. They just, it, they, they looked completely worn out with injuries and they, they were just done. So last year's kind of a, a throwaway season. This season, they're coming back. The roster's healthy for the most part. I mean, Bishop is still out with an injury but their goaltending was never their strong suit so where do you see them falling in the central division i think they make the playoffs um i think i think a healthy dallas stars roster is a playoff team um you have guys like mira heiskin and john klingberg on the back end and that's immediately enough to push you over the top and with an addition like ryan Suter, who was bought out by the wild i think that they get that perfect mix of youth and veteran experience uh, forwards. I'm a huge Dennis Guriana fan. I think he can contribute a lot to that forward core and with Rupe Hintz, uh, among other forwards like Alexander Radulov and Tyler Sagan. And don't forget Jamie Ben. I think that they are definitely good enough to make that playoff push. And I mean, another guy that I failed to mention was the uh, Calder runner-up, uh, Jason Robertson. He had an outstanding year last year. And I honestly can't wait to see what he does in a full season because he turned it on in the back half. Yeah. And they, they moved Dickinson out of the way just to make room for him. So um, they're expecting big things from him. Uh, do you see them more of a top three playoff berth or a wild card? Uh, I like to, 
I'd say top three. Uh, I think outside of the top two, the central division gets uh, a little bit weaker. Uh, of course, if there are teams that they could uh, could go on a run and pass Dallas in the standings. But I'd say that Dallas is probably second or third, uh, depending on how their injuries go, because that's frankly all that I think is holding them back at this point. Okay. And moving from Dallas, we'll go north to the only Canadian member of the division, the Winnipeg Jets. So they are coming off of a, uh, I'm going to say it, a disappointing season for them. They lost in the second round in a sweep to the Canadians. Uh, they they wanted more, but they just didn't have that. They were missing the defense side of it. Their their defense was suspect. Goaltending is amazing, and they have a, a very strong top nine. What about their offseason moves? Do you feel we're good? And do you feel like they've got enough to make a playoff push? I think they have enough to make a playoff push. Um, I mean, you have Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, you have uh, Kyle Connor. Just to start off with the forward core, it's it's that's really impressive. And not many teams can say that they can boast uh, that kind of talent. Uh, and even with their defensive deficiencies, they are scoring you goals and points, and that's uh, what what pushes that team up. Um, but also you have the best goalie in the league, in my opinion, Connor Hellebuck on the back end, no disrespect to Andre Vasilevsky, but uh, I love what I've seen from him. And uh, just, he's like, you, you know, you can count on him consistently. I am a huge fan of him. Uh, He's been the reason that the Winnipeg Jets uh, are as good as they have been uh, over the, I mean, their 2017, 18 season when they were vying for the president's trophy was because of Connor Hellebuck's ridiculous, almost Vesna season. Um, and then you have an addition like uh, Nate Schmidt. I like I like that addition for the Winnipeg Jets. I think uh, Schmidt had a, a tough time in Vancouver. I think he showed what he can do in uh, Vegas. Um, but I, I like that uh, just as a start to uh, their defensive core. Yeah, he's definitely going to be given a lot more uh, responsibility, a lot more uh, leeway in his game. Because in Vancouver, he seemed stifled. He seemed... Uh, put into a box that he's not used to being in. It's, it wasn't really his, his style of game. Whereas in Winnipeg, they play more into his strengths. I also like, um, I'm a big uh, Neil Pionk guy. Um, and I think uh, that he could really break out this season, especially with an addition like uh, Brendan Dillon, who's a primarily defensive guy and will allow Pionk to, do what he needs to do on the offensive end and kind of let him roam free. Um, I mean, we've seen from Pierre that he can be a very versatile scorer, both at even strength and on the power play. Um, so I think that those two guys, as well as Schmidt, uh, and and of course you have Josh Morrissey back there as well. I, I really think that their defensive core has taken that next step. Uh, and I, if I'm Connor Hellebuck, I don't think I'm as worried as I was last season. Now I'm moving, I'm jumping back and forth, but I'm going to leave Canada and move down to Missouri and we'll talk about the St. Louis blues. Now the blues, they, um, they had some turnover. They had a busy off season as well. Uh, they're like most teams in the NHL right now, because of the salary cap, they've, they've had to deal with it. And surprisingly, Tarasenko is still in St. Louis. So do they look like a playoff team in the central to you? 
they do. I, I, I think they are a playoff team. Um, as much as I might dislike them, I think they are a playoff team. Um, I think Jordan Bennington's a perfectly good enough goalie to get them there. I think the additions of Papa Buchnevich and Brandon Saad are pretty big for their forward core that otherwise is a little bit uh, underwhelming last season, uh, especially with uh, Tarasenko coming back, even though there was that drama this offseason. Um, and then you have guys like Robert Thomas, who I think is a very underrated player in the NHL. Um, he's one of the best middle six guys that I think I've watched uh, in the NHL. He's very skilled. Uh, he knows where he is on the ice at pretty much all the time. Uh, you can watch him, and I haven't seen him many make many mistakes when I watch him. Um, so he's one of my personal favorites to watch when I'm watching a Blues game. Uh, and you obviously have Ryan O'Reilly, guy who consistently – contends for the Selkie trophy. Um, I mean, he's literally everywhere. Like there's, there's no stopping him. And uh, you have a guy, Colton Pareko, who also signed a pretty hefty extension this off season. Uh, and he was, he was hurt for, he's been kind of battling injuries, but I think at a, in a fully healthy season, he is a, one of the best uh, defensemen in the league. Um, certainly a uh, above average top pair player. Do you think the, uh, the the drama that was unfolding down in St. Louis is going to have any impact on Tarasenko? Like, it, it looks like he has something to prove. Do you feel like he still wants out? And like, what do, what do you see out of this? I'm sure there are some residual effects from a player in the locker room requesting a trade, whether it's relationships with teammates or relationship with the game itself or – uh, your coaches, um, as far as does he still want out, um, it's hard to tell. Uh, I'm sure he has something. I feel like I, I'm sure he has to prove to himself that he's good enough uh, to make other teams want him. Uh, one of the biggest reasons that I've read was his injuries. No one's going to want to trade a first-round draft pick for some for a guy who's playing 10 games. It's just not realistic, especially with these upcoming drafts. Uh, it's just, I feel, I think he needs to prove to himself that he can still compete at a top level, but also stay healthy enough to compete at a top level. Uh, and I'm sure that once he gets those gears going and uh, his, his health remains steady, uh, I'm sure his teammates will follow his lead because whether he requested a trade or not, he is a leader in that locker room. True. I, I believe some of the uh, the issues stemmed from the fact that he felt he deserved the captaincy and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Um, we'll move on to a team that you have followed very closely for quite some time, and that's the Nashville Predators. So Nashville, obviously, with Pekka Rene leaving with reti- due to retirement, there's a bit of a changing of the guard. So could you kind of walk us through what's going on in Nashville? Yeah, so obviously Pecorine is now gone. Um, sad to see. It was tough to watch him go and hear that he was officially retiring because he's done so much for the city and just the game of hockey in Nashville. It wouldn't be the same without him. But you now have one of the most electric goalies in the NHL, UC Saros, uh, coming in. And so a guy who was in the Vesna conversation last season uh, not only just because 
of his numbers, but he was the sole reason that the Predators even touched the playoffs. Um, he led them back with a 21-7-1 and record, I want to say. Um, he was the reason that the team got anywhere because during – I mean, middle of the season, they looked like they were going to be contending for a top three pick. Um, and obviously you have other guys being shipped out, uh, not just uh, Rene leaving, but you have Ryan Ellis is gone now. And um, you have got Victor Arvidsson, uh, lots of members of the core uh, that went to the Stanley Cup final are now gone. And even with the the expansion draft, Johansson and Duchesne were, exposed Cali Yarncroke is gone there's so much happening in Nashville that uh, is is leading to new uh, like new faces coming in you've got guys like Cody Glass and Philip Myers and uh, other guys that are coming up we might see Philip Tomasino contend for a roster spot um, but yeah there's a lot of new faces coming in and old face is moving out. So I'm excited to see what they can do this season. Do you feel like this is the beginning of a, a rebuild uh, phase for the Predators? I'd like to say so. I, I, I've been a guy that's kind of said that they should kind of start heading down this track a couple years earlier, just because you can kind of tell that this, this core wasn't going to get it done after they lost that first round series to Dallas. It was uh, kind of just downhill from there. And I loved that they signed Matthew Shane. Uh, I still think that he hasn't really gotten the benefit of the doubt uh, between playing his best, some of the best hockey he's ever played and then being moved off the line with the teammates he was playing with uh, to being shoved down into the third line with players like Eric Hall and Brad Richardson, no offense to them, but they are not Matthew Shane. Um so it, it, I don't think that he's gotten the benefit of the doubt from fans, and I don't think he's gotten the favorable uh, line combinations to help him succeed. Um, and so I think that with him, um, you have a guy like Matthias Ekholm and Philip Forsberg are both going into contract seasons, and um, those, are, those are some big uh, storylines coming out right now. Um, and so you have those guys, and with their help, you're going to need – to probably start inching down that phase. Um, David Poyle has been very adamant that it is a competitive rebuild and not like a full scale tear it down rebuild, but uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they do need to start heading down that road. I like that they're starting to commit to it, but I think they need to announce that they are committing that way. Yeah. And with, people like Forsberg entering a contract, you're <clears throat> looking at a team that's trying to remain competitive, but rebuild at the same time. I wonder how motivated he'll be to re-sign a long-term deal. So I, I think that's something to look at. There, there might be a move there. And that's definitely someone who would bring back a hefty return for David mm -hmm. Coyle. Absolutely. Now this is a Canadians podcast and uh, being as such, uh, I wanted to ask this question about the Predators. How much of a storyline is the cap recapture penalty that could possibly come to Nashville from Shea Weber possibly retiring early due to his injuries? Yeah, so especially last season uh, and with the, the injury over the offseason, it has been a definite uh, 
dark cloud hanging over the the predators organization and fan base uh there's not really a conversation where you can go into it and usually it'll be brought up in some form or fashion um it, it's an interesting thing because uh you know there's there's all these rules that people might not know about with the new cba and um how long it takes for them to pay it off and all this other uh kind of finer details of the contract and the cap recapture um and so for one you're trying to tell people how much they might owe if uh, he does end up retiring early and you're also trying to be an armchair gm and figure out how they could manage that penalty if it happens to uh hit them really hard now considering the fact that he has such deep ties to nashville and he's still active in the uh, charitable contributions to the local children's hospital do you think it would be possible at all for David Poyle to try and trade for him and let him ride out the remainder of his contract to avoid that recapture? I actually, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, David Poyle, as much as the, I give him lots of crap all the time, but um, I think he, he, I mean, he, he knows how to run a team. And I mean, he's built this Predators team from the ground up. He's their only GM in history. Um, so he knows what he's doing. And I think if there is a return for a guy like Weber, not only would fans be ecstatic to have him back, but if he, and it, obviously that is if he comes off, if if he comes off the injury. Um, but if it is necessary for him to come back and be placed on long-term injury reserve, then I think I could definitely see Poyle making some form of move just to acquire the, uh, the contract and put him on LTIR. Okay. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask value because it's all hypotheticals. So we'll move on from there and we'll finish it off with the final team in the division. The team that I feel is going to win this division. And that's the Colorado avalanche led by Halifax, Nova Scotia native McKinnon. So how powerful of a team do you think they're going to be in the central? I think it's honestly, I view the central as the Colorado avalanche and everyone else. Um, I mean, Joe Sackick has done an incredible job building that team. Uh, Just the way that he's formed, not only the top six, but six, but the the depth around that top six. Cause I mean, when you watch an avalanche game and you see those forward lines, there's not a line that you really say that they're, they, they got killed or they got destroyed in their own end. Whereas some of these other teams, you may have three good lines and then your fourth line is only out there to hit and they give up a lot of good scoring chances. I mean, when you just look at their, their roster, it's that second line. It just, you have a a defensive specialist uh, who could also play like third line, more middle six minutes. Uh, Valerian Nachushkin, a big, uh, a big analytics guy. And he was uh, the talk of the town. Uh, And so just, he's a, he's just kind of your, he's a big guy too. So he, I mean, he plays the body really well. Uh, I mean, he forces play not only in the defensive zone, but in the offensive zone too. Uh, and you bring in a guy like Alex Newhook, who I thought looked pretty good in the uh, short stint that he played. Um, and obviously you can't talk about the avalanche without talking about Miko Ranton and Gabriel Landeskog, two guys who have been f- there for Nathan McKinnon uh, as his supporting cast and he's always going to be the main guy, but uh, they, Nathan McKinnon is not Nathan McKinnon without those two guys, in my opinion, just because they open up options for him. 
uh, you can't just focus on McKinnon because he'll feed it to Rantanen or, or Landeskog and it works, it works all three ways. Um, and I think one of the more underrated parts of that team is you look at their forward core, uh, but their defense is one of the best cores in the entire NHL. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, you start off with Kale McCarr, who, I mean, his play speaks for himself, speaks for itself. The guy is incredibly versatile on his edges. And I mean, he can literally create a play out of nothing. Um, and then, I mean, a former predator and the guy who was going to be my second favorite player until they traded him, Samuel Girard. Um, I mean, I've loved Sammy since he came into the league and uh, his, his spin moves will always be something that I remember and that I enjoy watching. Um, it's just like uh, that, that sort of player is, is kind of like the embodiment of avalanche hockey. And you've got Bowen Byram and Devon Taves, two guys who are also going to be very, very good. Uh, Taves already is. Uh, they're just a very exciting team to watch and they play the kind of hockey that I think every team wants uh, when they become a, a fan of the sport. Now they paid a pretty hefty price for goaltending. They traded away uh, Connor Timmons and a high pick to get Darcy Kemper out of uh, Arizona. Is he enough? Because th- they're going to be, they're going to be a playoff team regardless, but with him, is he enough for them to make that deep run? Cause they're, they're on a mission. It's a team on a mission who felt they should have won last year. So they're coming in and they've got a, they, they want to win. Yeah, I am a big Darcy Kemper fan. Um, he was one of my top three Vesna candidates uh, two seasons ago. Uh, he would have been one of mine uh, last season if he hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, I think the only thing that is really stopping him right now is injuries. Um, and that has been a big problem, uh, especially for a, at the time Coyotes team that needed those two goalies, Ranta, who's now with the Hurricanes, and uh, and Kemper, uh, they needed them. And at one point, I think both of them were hurt, and that was that just spelled disaster for them even more than their original roster already did. Um, so I do think that Kemper, if he's healthy, I think he is a better goaltender than Philip Grubauer. Um, so I like the trade, um, or I guess Phil Grubauer signed with. Seattle. Um, but I like the trade bringing in Kemper a lot. Um, and then another guy that got injured, Pavel Francis. Um, I think he could be a very good backup. Uh, he, I mean, he showed what he can be, um, two seasons ago and he didn't, I mean, he didn't play last year, but, um, he was that guy. I mean, he, he was kind of the one B in Colorado, uh, or he at least was making that statement that he should be the one B. Um, and so I think that tandem, uh, barring any injuries could definitely be one of the better in the NHL. Well, Jeff, I want to, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I want to thank you for coming on and uh, sharing your time with us. Um, Can you give my listeners a little reminder of where they can find you and your work? Yeah. So you can find me at the hockey writers. I write for uh, the Detroit Red Wings team and the Minnesota wild team. Uh, You can also find me at on the four check. And that's pretty much it. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Jeff, and uh, best of luck this season. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Habs Unfiltered has special sponsors. 
Uh, go to seatgiant.ca to save 35% on all your fees when purchasing tickets to NHL, CFL, Major League Baseball, concerts, whatever event Seat Giant sells. Use the code UNFILTERED20, save 35% on your fees. Go to builtbar.ca and save 10% using the code UNFILTERED20 on your purchases online. Go to East Coast Lifestyle and use the code UNFILTERED20 to save 20% off your purchase of any clothing at East Coast Lifestyle. Also, Lift Life. Go to liftlife.ca and use the code HABS10 to save 10%. And for a special promo until Christmas, HABS Unfiltered will be selling t-shirts in conjunction with 514 shirts. If you purchase one of our shirts, the entire profit for the sale goes to Vets Canada. Vets Canada does work to end veterans homelessness across Canada. So let's help a great cause and wear a great shirt. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.